G'day, and welcome to the Pandemi Show. Stories of the Pandemi for people living in the Pandemi. No one is alone on the Pandemi Show. Today's Pandemi story comes from Jamie in Cambodia, who talks to Dave about how separation from family and friends can take its toll during the Pandemi. They talk about how our dependence on technology is changing our socialization and how families in rural areas are using scarecrows to ward off COVID-19, which of course inspires Dave to want to make his own scarecrow. Hi, and welcome to the Pandemi Show. It's Dave. Today, we're traveling around the world to Cambodia to talk to Jamie Lochner. Jamie, how are you today? Doing well, Dave. How are you doing? You know, I'm just fascinated by other people's experiences around the world, how they're dealing with the pandemic. Uh, I've been riding it out in Southern Ontario, and it seems that we've we planked the curve, and uh, we've gone through some reopening. Now at the end of August, we're noticing our numbers creeping up again. One, two, three, PPE. It really got going here in Southern Ontario around March break. Some people went away thinking it was going to be safe and then were told they needed to come back to Canada. And then we got locked down uh, around, uh, and then St. Patrick's Day, basically St. Patrick's Day is going to be a do-over from, from 2020. There was, it was quarantined <laughs> oh, yeah. by that time. Yeah, what I remember hearing about that. What was the state of affairs with the pandemic in Cambodia? And, and where are you in Cambodia uh, back in March? Uh, I've been in Phnom Penh. The entire time that's the capital of Cambodia and I was teaching at the time and I gotta say as a school we were very privy to the information by the minute essentially um, a lot of the teachers are international teachers so we are following a lot of the news a lot of guidelines that uh, the who was proposing so we were following what everyone else was trying to do around the world, essentially, as, uh, as schools. After the schools started really stepping up, that's, I think, when the government was really starting to say, okay, we got to do something about this. And there were some lockdown uh, measures implemented, uh, travel restrictions eventually, um, especially in, in the real thick of it. I guess, when was this? I don't know, June or something. That's when people were not allowed to enter. So we live actually near a flight path. And normally before the pandemic, you could hear a lot of flights, you know, every day, multiple flights in and, in and out. Since the pandemic, that's a positive thing. The flight path has been rather quiet. So it's interesting being in the capital, the nation's capital, not hearing flights very often. And that continues today. There aren't many flights even today. I'd have to say though, generally, it's been not such a big deal here. We're watching the rest of the world freaking out, basically, uh, fighting over masks and distancing and protesting. We're watching the world as it burns, let's say, from here, scratching our heads and saying, it's not so bad. Why don't, why don't, people, uh, why don't people come on over here when it's cool? You know? People ask me, is it dangerous? Is it, is it risky? No, not at all. At, at least that's what it feels like. That's interesting. Um, I was talking with someone, I was talking to Eric Jeffrey in New Zealand, and they had eradicated coronavirus for quite some time. Now it's back now. But it's interesting how certain places are more of a hotspots than others. 
Yeah, uh, that was the case here too. There was a time for I don't know how many weeks, there were no numbers here. And I'll, I have to say, I think the number recently that I saw for Cambodia is 273. Active and, cases? Uh, no, not active. That's total Tot cases. Okay. And, and that's zero interesting. Deaths. One of the th things I identified with is that I, where I live, I'm on a flight path too. And yeah, March, April, May, very little air traffic. But it does seem to be going again. I know in Canada... Our borders are closed to cars and just, you know, land borders, but the flights are up, up again and people are commuting around the world, which I find very interesting. And, and here we're supposed to have strict uh, testing for people coming in the country. Uh, you have to be tested in your home country first, have that documentation, have your visa settled at the Cambodian embassy in your country, so some countries like South Africa, for example, they don't have a Cambodian embassy. So it makes it very difficult for people coming in. On top of that, the early restrictions were forcing travelers into Cambodia to have very high insurance coverage, an extra few thousand dollars on hand uh, in case, oh, to pay for actually the testing, the quarantine, which is still two weeks here. I think since... Uh, in the last month or so, maybe the restrictions have been a bit uh, less with regards to how much money you have to have or bring with you. But again, I don't follow it too closely, and I don't think many people here are, which you can really notice on the faces of people. The stress levels are just not what they are, what I'm seeing, I should say, um, from back home in North America. That's, that's interesting. So are people physically distancing there and wearing masks? That's what we're hearing from public health uh, back here in Ontario to do. Yeah, um, masks are pretty normal in uh, Southeast Asia. And so when we were told, yeah, there's a pandemic going on, people just strapped their masks on, no big deal. Um, it was interesting though, the, the foreigner teachers like myself, um, we questioned it right away, right? I don't know why, but instead of just following directions, we said, well, what's the mask gonna do? That was a lot of foreigner perspective and saying, oh, they're, they're probably useless, blah, blah, blah. And so even the foreign body here seemed to have more of a resistance to the masking. But of course we fall into line because uh, you're under the, microscope here. It's a small city. Phnom Penh is a small city, kind of a fishbowl, and you're seen wherever you go. And as an educator, we want to lead by example. And so, of course, uh, we follow regulations and try the best we can to protect ourselves. I'd say one thing that changed is hand washing uh, and sanitizing really increased visual it's still existing everywhere malls malls have been open the whole time kind of questionable uh, small businesses however were forced to close especially bars um, and restaurants and so many businesses i'm sure similar in canada and around the world have gone out of business because of that but larger businesses have stayed open been allowed to uh, proceed as business as normal People have been respecting masks there, of course, and uh, 
hand washing, but it's not been so strict as in, as in Canada. The videos I see coming from North America are a bit disturbing um, and interesting, not only disturbing. The amount of uh, like vehement opposition to a simple rule Whereas here, people say, okay, cool, no big deal, let's do it. You're, you're touching on a really good point about how the pandemic has been politicized. It seems that it's coming out of the United States, and uh, I can't get my mind around it. I, am, I know that to protect my loved ones and even strangers, I'm prepared to do inconveniences for the good of the yeah. many. But I know I'm unique too. I our family's lost loved ones to COVID. Uh, one of our great aunts um, unfortunately contracted it in a long-term care retirement facility, and sadly she passed away. Um, we've also had some other members of the family pass away during COVID, not necessarily from COVID, and it's been just very difficult to get that closure and to celebrate celebrate their lives. So. Yeah, it is very wonky here in North America with how it's been so politicized. Um, it's hard to get one's mind around it. There seems to be two camps calling each other names. There's the there's the the people that believe the pandemic isn't that serious and that masks don't work, and they're getting called rat lickers, uh, like the people that would lick rats during the bubonic plague because they didn't believe in it. And then those people are calling the mask wearers sheeple because mm -hmm. they blind, they're quote unquote blindly follow, you know, what the government says. So those seem to be the two extremes. And I think most people are in the middle trying to wear a mask and not get sneezed on by anybody. You made a very good point um, about how in Asia, people have already, it's already common practice to wear a mask. That's something I was not aware of um, before I started the pandemic show, that um, the people in Asia are so respectful of each other that if they feel sick, they'll wear a mask so not to infect other people. Like what a courteous, respectful practice. I know it's very... Uh, foreign here for people to wear a mask when they're sick. But I think we might be coming into a new normal in terms of people wearing masks to prevent other people from getting sick. I mean, I know, I know that I've gone to work previous before the pandemic sick and it was almost like, well, if you're sick, you still need to go to work. And now they're trying to change that. And I wonder how successful they'll be, but if, if sick people wore masks and aren't getting their, sickly moist droplets into other people's <laughs> respiratory systems, eyeballs or somewhere where they can catch it. I, I think that's the future today. And it's interesting how Asia has led the way. Now, I don't know if it's because there's just higher density there and people sure. get things more often or, or whatnot, but it, yep. it seems like that could be the new normal in more places than just Asia. And, and yeah, people in North America, sorry, people in North America, I don't think understand that people in Asia have been doing this sure. for quite some time. So this is very new to North America. But people complained when seatbelts were brought in. People complained yeah. when electric lighting was brought in for streets. Change is tough. Uh, and I think maybe with the politicized nature of the mass debate and the coronavirus in North America, I wonder if that's an illustration of how hard some people are having with the change that's resulting sure. from the pandemic. Sure. 
And I think the Prime Minister of Canada sang it best or was edited to sing it best. But uh, the awareness that we do speak moistly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that we're all connected. These are all things we already know, but we're putting the pieces together. And I think we're seeing the world physically in a different way, in a new awareness that perhaps other places in the world, they may have already had that awareness that we're just coming to light now. I, I and think I hope that we do continue to explore that. Yeah. I know that we had had SARS and we'd had some other pandemic type things, but they'd never taken off with this airborne transmission and the extremely contagious aspects of this COVID-19. And I wonder, I, I wonder if, oh, my internet connection is not stable. Are you still good there, Jamie? Yeah, yeah just a hiccup. It's just so fascinating. Sorry, I, sorry, listeners. I just got distracted with a poor internet uh, internet connection. But well, this is another question we're asking people. What's one of the good things that your family, like you and your wife, are there? What is what is something that's good that you that's come from the pandemic? And then what is something that's been kind of bad or a challenge or a change in your routine based on the pandemic there in the capital of Cambodia? So for us personally, in Phnom Penh. We've, we've really, I don't know, you just stop going out, right? I'm sure that's the same everywhere. Uh, and when you become more insulated, you get to see each other in different lights and do different things. I think we picked up playing chess more uh, during the pandemic. Uh, things like that, just small things. Of course, eating in all the time, every night not going out even if you want to. Uh, I remember having a really cool dance party here online with a group that organized it from Toronto and there were people from connecting in from all over the world and uh, my wife Chandra was watching me sweating it up dancing with a bunch of people from all over the world on my computer uh, teaching online Moving from a classroom to teaching online was challenged, but the benefits that I've discovered as a teacher outweigh the challenges that were negative, I'd say. And moving into the new school year now, uh, I want to integrate that as we're in the classroom, but some students are not. Uh, so professionally, just developing further forcibly, forcibly uh, with tech and a different socialization. Um, We've also been spending more time on a piece of land that we have, planting some food, um, and which is something that people here in Cambodia have been encouraged to do because so many people are losing jobs. So what are people to do? It's been suggested by the government to get back to the land, which uh, has interesting connotations for anyone who remembers uh, recent Khmer history, Cambodian history, um, which was kind of like a tenant of the Pol Pot regime. I'm kind of stretching it here, but when you have something like a nation that has gone through something so significant so recently, memories come out when you're told to go kind of back to the land, especially by your government, um, that aren't very positive. 
the education is not there to do anything else for about 20% of the population, I think. Oh, wow. uh, it's poverty is slated to go up. I, I read recently to about 20% of the population, which is extremely high, especially if you're coming from a country like Canada. Um, and you see it, it's, you witness it wherever you go. Um, it's something you witnessed before the pandemic, but now uh, the desperation is a bit more increased. So we're, we're reminded not to go out again at certain times, uh, just to be careful. It's not a dangerous place generally, more like petty theft, uh, which is similar in any country. I've, you know, I have problems in my hometown with things like that in Canada. But here it's a bit on the rise uh, right now because so many people are out of work. I feel very fortunate to still have work as I'm sure a lot of educators are, as scary as it might be. Um, but here there's, there's a lot of factory workers without jobs right now. What are they going to do? There's no plan. Um, they already made very little. And so they're encouraged to go back to the land if their family has any left. It's, so it's, it's kind of uncertain time for a lot of people here. It's very tough. The uncertainty definitely, I find, is one of the main challenges. And it's interesting how you touched on income inequality. It's interesting how you touched on food security. Those are themes that I think we're struggling with here in Canada. I think probably every country is. I, I just wonder if we, and I hope we can address that because in Canada, they're giving out a benefit called a CERB to help people that were laid off. And now you're starting to see the, the neoliberals or the right wing starting to complain about the amount of debt that we've accumulated, trying to make sure families don't starve and go homeless. I worry that they're going to use it as an excuse for more austerity and attack on the social systems that uh, give people a fighting chance here. Yeah. If we come out of the pandemic better, I hope one of the things that we address that allows us to do that is income inequality. Yeah. And figuring out how, how we can we can fight that widening gap. Your next point about food security, very powerful point. I, I hear people here in Ontario talking about food security, kind of that get a victory garden, World War II mentality coming back to try to be as subsistent as you can. There's talk in, in this area in Ontario too about how um, – a lot of the meat packing plants seem to be really hot spots for COVID transmission because uh, people are working so closely as they butcher up the delicious meat. Uh, so food security is definitely something that we're dealing with here. It's interesting how the themes are very similar around the world and how different communities are coming together to address them. It's also, it was heartwarming to hear that you and your wife are enjoying this time being together in different contexts and that family time has been one of the strengths. I, I'm hearing that a lot from people. Yeah. I think the slower pace of life really does allow us that opportunity to interact with our families Absolutely. In, in time, in circumstances that we, we wouldn't because maybe you'd be at work. Your partner would be, your partner would be at work. Really fascinating. And it's, 
it's interesting too how you said that Cambodia hasn't politicized it and they're working it seems like as one as best they can that's really powerful yeah it sounds like Cambodia is a pretty good place to be right now during the pandemic it feels like it for for us uh, definitely feels like it um, yeah I gotta share this uh, fun image with you and the listeners um, just a light on a light note People always ask why, you know, why is Cambodia doing so well? Why is Vietnam, uh, Thailand, Laos, all of these countries seem to be doing very well. And there's an image when you drive around in the countryside here, uh, just outside of Phnom Penh, you don't have to go far. You'll find rural areas quite quickly, which is beautiful. I, I enjoy to be out there more than being in the city. When you drive through little villages, um, you see basically scarecrows, like you might set up during Halloween outside your house, like a pumpkin head guy, stuffed with newspaper and old pants, old shirt, weird hat, gloves, boots. People have made those outside of their houses in the countryside in hopes to scare away uh, any spirit that would bring illness. And this came out a lot. Uh, during the pandemic. Uh, it's not new to the pandemic, but definitely came on full force. People came out in droves just doing it. And it's fun as a foreigner to look and to see that outside of the houses. At first, of course, we all kind of giggle at it and laugh. And then we go, hey, wait a minute. I wonder if that has anything to do with the low numbers here. And it's fun to think about that just just on a unknown level to say like, hey, wait, maybe they're onto something. So Canada, get your scarecrows out there. It's almost Halloween anyway. Just do it early. See if that lowers your numbers and get back to me on that one. That's fascinating. That is, that is fascinating <laughs> that that's what people there are doing as a form of resistance to COVID, as a community yes. builder, as... <laughs> I don't want to say it doesn't, I don't want to judge and say that that doesn't work because like you said, maybe Who it knows? is, maybe it is working. Maybe the, the symbol knows? of that scarecrow has a deeper meaning with the people that's helping them physical distance or do hand wash or some of these other practices. But that, that's the first, that's the first time I've heard of something like that in the pandemic show, having talked to people in the United Kingdom, uh, New Zealand, who had been in Sudan. That's pretty interesting. I wonder if there's, something like that happening, if, if there's that kind of thing happening in other places, it'll be interesting to, to talk to people from more countries to find that out. And like I yeah. said, it's, it's, it's not new to the pandemic, but uh, it's something that really came on strong again. So it, um, it, was, it was a tradition that was there before the pandemic, yeah. but it, yes. with the rise of the pandemic, more people started putting out their scarecrows or adapting them yeah. for, to include protection from COVID-19, not just other, other types yeah. of threats to the family. That's oh, right. Wow. Now to come uh, to Western perspective on the situation and low numbers, um, what's a test cost? I think a test costs here from somebody who recently took it, it's like 130 US dollars, I think for a test. So when you're talking about a country that's in a pandemic and they already have a high poverty rate, especially people in the rural areas are, I'm 
presuming a lot less likely to get tested for flu-like symptoms. So perhaps this is why some people are saying the low numbers are not accurate. Um, we, we understand that the people who have been tested positive are people who have been traveling or are connected to people who have been traveling. A lot of people coming into the country uh, via flights, uh, land borders, uh, even we had a, like a, a tour boat, what do you call it? a cruise ship, I think, from Germany or something weird like that. Don't they had to stop here for a while. Yeah. They had so, an outbreak on the cruise ship? They did. Uh, or not? A, yes, they had somebody test positive, I believe, and it brought it into the country. So at first, the political aspect was, this is a foreigner disease. And so for a week or two, uh, if you went outside, and this was earlier on when not everyone wore masks, if you went out without a mask, people would actually remove themselves from your vicinity if you were a foreigner like myself. Um, Interesting. So it was really, I made a point of, especially during that time, I still do, but I made a point of saying, okay, no, I'll, if you view it that way, I'm going to do my best to show you that I care. Like you said, I'm going to show people that I care about you. So I'm going to wear a mask for you. And I know a lot of people are also trying to do that here. I got to say, to put another light note here, it's really fun going to the bank, withdrawing large sums of cash with a bandana on. If you haven't tried it, <laughs> give it a try, because this might be the only chance you get. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting observation. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's interesting how face coverings have become so acceptable so quickly, considering <laughs> that pre-pandemic if you went into a bank with a mask on they might think you're a robber a burglar a highwayman and we were <laughs> fighting for that right i remember in ontario or was it canada i'm not sure to stay masked during protests i know that was a big thing uh in yeah canada. good point so, you're not supposed to cover your face in a in a in a protest situation that seems yeah. to be a piece of legislation that's rising in the Western world, I guess. But uh, you're, you're, really, you're really bringing up some fascinating points around the pandemic, Jamie. We're very lucky to have you on the pandemic show today. Now, I know you live in Cambodia, which is thousands of kilometers from Ontario. From, I, I'm up at six... 6 a.m. and it's 5 p.m. where you are. So we are really far apart. What's it like being this far apart from your family and your friends in Ontario? Not easy. Uh, it's been a year and a half since I've been in Canada to see all you guys. And I'd say lately, in the last half month especially, been pretty hard emotionally for me it comes and goes it comes in waves the waves can be pretty strong sometimes of uh, missing everything about home it's hot here pretty much all the time it's never cold here ever so people who know me back home I'm a snow dog I love the winter and I knew coming here would be tough like right now it's no shirt Tuesday, but it's no shirt Tuesday every day here in Cambodia. <laughs> and it's hot. It's like, what is it right now? 
uh, 35 degrees right now, and the sun's just starting to go down at, what time is it? 6 o'clock, basically, 6 p.m., Tuesday. Sun's just going down, and it's 35 Celsius. The humidity is at about 70, 75. Rainy season has started uh, recently, and people are wondering if the cooler temperatures, which aren't that much cooler, are going to affect our numbers, COVID uh, numbers at all, because people are saying maybe the heat, maybe the UV, maybe all of these things, the outdoor living, open air markets. Uh, we don't shake hands in Cambodia. We don't hug. So all of these things could really have an effect on it. Nobody knows. We're did, all guessing. Did the people there shake hands before the pandemic or and hug before the pandemic or, or culturally no. that doesn't happen there? No, um, you do some prayer. So your hands together, as in you're going to pray, kind of up towards your chin. Yeah. And say, that's a very polite way to introduce yourself. Okay, so the People greeting is, it's a contactless greeting pre-pandemic. Yeah. I wonder and, if, yeah, that's interesting. Have you found the technology? Here, Sorry. Oh, I was just going to add a kind of a stab to a group back home. Here, people don't hug and people wear masks. Just saying. That's interesting. Have, have you found that the, the news in Kitchener? <laughs> have, you, have you found that the sense of missing home is helped by technology? That seems to be a common thread from pandemic interviews that being able to at least see and talk through technology is alleviating some of the anxiety of being separated. For sure. I haven't heard your voice in a while. And it lights some dark corners in my heart to hear you. <laughs> Flattery will get uh, you honest, everywhere. <laughs> honest, honestly, We're going to have to send you a free t-shirt. <laughs> oh, nice. But I won't wear it because it's no shirt Tuesday every day. <laughs> I'll hang it up. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> honestly, though, um, it sounds like flattery, but when you're away this far, everything's so foreign, even it's familiar to me now. Um, but there are times when I just feel very out of place and I miss home, everything about it. So it really does make me feel good to hear you, to see you. Um, and even though we have a lot of technology, we know that we don't use it the way we could. And so any of my buddies at home who are hearing this, tearing up, give me a call. I'll chat with you right now, right now. Ontario, call Jamie. Call yep. Jamie and his family, say hi. Do it. Let's eat together. Long distance hugs are okay, but no actual hugs. Yeah. So I'm what hoping that next year I come back. I'm hoping next summer I can travel without quarantine and see everyone again. But that's going to be two and a half years without seeing y'all. Yeah, that's we tough. were talking to Eric Jeffrey in New Zealand, and him and his wife and their three children had planned to spend the summer in Ontario seeing his parents and family. But because of the uncertainty about if they would be able to get into the border, they've had to put those plans on hold. Now, hopefully next summer is a different kettle of fish, but time will tell. Time will yeah. tell. And I'm hoping for it too. We're banking I, on it. I just have one last question, and I, I can't thank you enough for your time. What a fantastic interview. It's so insightful. I, it's my understanding that the earliest form of the domesticated cow 
comes from the forests of Cambodia. Mm -hmm. I don't know uh, if you know anything about that, but as a, uh, a cattleman, some might even call me a cowboy, I'm always interested in where Daisy and Buttercup's ancestral territory was. And to hear that it was might be from Cambodia just sparks a curiosity and interest. So if you hear anything about that, please let me know. For sure, that's amazing. There are still sites of some of them in the jungle every once in a while. Um, yeah, that's a whole conversation right there. And how do I say thank you in Cambodian? Is that the language Cambodian? It, yeah, you would say Cambodian uh, more appropriately, Khmer. I just would like to say Khmer for your time today, Jamie. And, <laughs> wait, and uh, wait, wait. <laughs> that's how you say Cambodian. Khmer. But if you oh, want to say thank you, yeah. it's Akun. One more time. Akun. Jamie, I just want to say Akun to you for your time today, this morning, and for these fascinating insights. It's a pleasure to talk with you. And I'm glad the listeners are hopefully getting a kick out of some of the stuff we're talking about. Very insightful. Thank you so much. And I hope you Thanks have so a much too. I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's story from the pandemic. We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.ca. Be a part of our community by rating, subscribing, and sharing the pandemic show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Stories from the pandemic for the people of the pandemic.